Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 38. Amen. The Holy Ghost is here tonight. And I believe God has a word for us. Amen. I believe God has a specific word for this group of people here tonight. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered, talking about Jesus, into a certain village, which we later know in other gospels was the city of Bethany. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Martha is the one that had the open arms, that receptive spirit. But we'll find out in a little while that we've got to have more than just open arms and a receptive spirit. We've got to have our heart prioritized. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. In other words, Martha looked at Jesus and said, don't you care that my, that about my sister not doing her part? Tell her to help me, Jesus. The, the King James puts it very nicely. Bid her therefore that she help me. But in modern day vernacular would be tell her to come help me Jesus tell her to come help me and Jesus answered and said unto her Martha Martha thou art careful and troubled about many things Jesus began to supersede this specific example this this specific story and he began to talk about many things that she was careful about and troubled about Lots of things on your mind, Martha. And verse number 42 says, But one thing is needful, or one thing is needful for you, Martha. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary hath chosen that good part. One version says, Mary hath chosen the better part, which shall not be taken away from her. And just for a few moments tonight, I want to talk about choosing among competing priorities. Choosing among competing priorities. Amen. Could you set your Bibles down and help me pray tonight that God would speak to us. God, we thank you for the word of the Lord. I'm asking you right now, Lord, you would talk to us one more time. Your presence is in this, uh, filling this place tonight, God. Your presence is is thick in this house, God. The power of the Holy Ghost is here. God, help me to communicate, Lord, the word that you gave me, Lord, for this service tonight. God, I pray your anointing upon every heart and every mind that we would receive your word and we would apply it to our lives, God. And you would help us, Lord, Lord, to make the necessary changes in our hearts and in our minds. As we approach your presence, in Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. In the different job interviews that I've had in times past, there is one question that I've gotten very frequently when applying for different jobs and sitting in that 
sometimes uncomfortable position as interviewee and being asked all of the interrogating questions and and so forth. But one of the questions that I've heard many times is how do you choose among competing priorities? How do you uh, what steps do you take when you are asked or required to do things that seem to conflict one with another? What things do you take into consideration before charting the course ahead in a situation where you seem to have different converging ideologies or requests? And I'd like to talk again tonight about the topic choosing among competing priorities. Here in Luke chapter number 10 in in the Gospels, we read about Lazarus's two sisters, Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha. There's, there's a three of these individuals in this story. There's Mary and Martha of Bethany and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus was uh, that dear friend of Jesus. Uh, because we read in, one of, in the shortest verse of the Bible, John eleven thirty-five in the English language, it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And what did he weep over? He wept over the fact that his friend Lazarus was dead. So we know that Jesus had an endearing relationship with Mary and with Martha and with Lazarus. These were very important people to him and they had a close bond, a close relationship. Uh, Later on, this same Lazarus, Jesus would cry out to him from, uh, from, uh, uh, from the grave and Jesus would cry out, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that God would raise Lazarus from the grave. That stone would be rolled away by those individuals and Lazarus would come out of that tomb and they would unwind him. That's the Lazarus that I'm talking about today. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And this uh, story here today uh, is a comparison between the choice uh, that was good but not the best. And the choice that was the good one. It was not a contrast between the absolutely bad and the positively good. Jesus was not uh, uh, telling uh, Martha that what you're doing is bad and what Mary's doing is right. But he said, uh, like I said in one translation, he said, Mary has chosen the better part. The better part. For it is Martha who is the one that received Jesus into her house. Martha's the one that said, Jesus, I I want you to come into my house. I'm going to prepare you a meal. I'm going to get the house cleaned up. I'm going to get everything ready. And we preach and we talk about that, how that it's important for us to, with open arms, receive Jesus into our lives and to make a place for him. And that was what Martha was doing. She was she was preparing a place and she was getting everything ready and everything in order for for Jesus' arrival and for Jesus to be comfortable in that specific example. It was Martha who received Jesus. And it was Martha who provided for his comfort. Uh, we like to be good hostess, hosts and hostesses when we have people over our house. And we like to make a good impression. And if we were to have somebody of high esteem visit us in our home, number one, we would probably get everything in order. And we would make sure that uh, everything is timed just right and so the meal arrives right on time and, and everything's nice and tidy and, and we want to make a good impression and, and we want them to say, wow, that was a beautiful, uh, beautiful experience, a wonderful meal and such a great host and what a beautiful home and we want to hear all those nice compliments and, and so did Martha. Martha was set about to, to prepare a beautiful experience for Jesus 
so that Jesus would maybe find favor in upon Martha's life a little bit more than he had before. But in the midst of all of those things, it was Mary. It was Mary that sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha found herself dealing with frustrations, just like many of us sometimes deal with lots of frustrations, lots of things, and we're toiling and we're, and we're worrying and we're fretting about this and we're fretting about that. And they're not necessarily bad things. But in the midst of our fretting, in the midst of our worrying, in the midst of our clamoring, in the midst of our cumbering with all the cares, amen, if we forget that one thing, that Martha had, had clear in view. If we forget that one thing, that Jesus is the most important thing in all of my life. And that uh, if Martha only realized that Jesus is only going to be here for a limited amount of time. And if I, can, if I can get the attention of Jesus, if I can worship Him, if I can connect with God, all of those worries that, that they were so important before I got here, all of those things, amen, God, I believe God will take care of them. And I think that Mary realized, amen, Martha, it's great that you're going about doing all of these things, but Martha, don't forget, it's all about Him still. Martha is still all about Jesus. And we've got to make sure that no matter what, when, the, when it comes time for the word of God to be preached, and Jesus is, is giving the discourse to Martha, to Mary, and all of those that fill their home, when, when the word's going forth, Martha, we've got to make sure that we stop everything that we're doing. We, we turn our phone off. We, we put everything aside. And we get ready. And we sit at His feet and we listen. And we say, okay, God, talk to me. Okay, God, I, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I'm getting every word that you're speaking because your words are life. And they can bring change to my life. Martha, in her frustration, found herself with some rare boldness. When she looked at Jesus and she kind of commanded Jesus what to do. Jesus, tell her to help me. This is crazy. Everybody's in this place. I'm trying to do it all myself. Jesus, tell her to help me. She won't listen to me. Tell my sister Mary to help me. Well, Martha's role was necessary. That of the worker. She was, she was concerned with the multitude of worries. Oftentimes that's what happens when we come to church. Jesus is in the same house that we're in. Jesus is here. The word's going forth. But we can't hear anything he's saying because we're so worried about this. We're so comfortable with all the cares of life. We're so worried what's going to happen to my job, my kids, all of these things, my finances, my health. And Jesus is talking. The word of God's going forth. And when the word goes forth, we've got to give it undivided attention. When the word's going forth, that's not the time to be getting up and going to the bathroom. When the word's going forth, that's not the time to get up and take a phone call. 
When the word of God's going forth, that's not the time, amen, to, to check your Instagram account status and, and what's going on. That's not the time to do any of those things. That's the time to say, okay, God, I'm all ears. I'm going to hear everything you've got to say to my life. I'm going to receive every word because there may just be one word that you say that I cannot do for the rest of my life. And it sees me through the darkest nights. And it helps me to get through my trials and my, stri- my tribulations and my struggles. That I go through. Martha's role was necessary. But she had the wrong perspective on things. She thought that it was more important. To be busy herself. With all of these errands. And all of these things. And running around the house. And running around town. And doing this and doing that. When Martha was saying. Okay God. I know that stuff's important. And and I'm going to take care of that. But God. First you. That's why the word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be at all of the cares, all of the worries, all of the anxieties. I have the power and I've got the ability to take care of them. I can minimize those problems. That you think are mountains. Amen. But they're not mountains. They're just little bumps in the road. And I'll help you to get through them, Martha. But you're carried, you're coming about with so many things. And you, you major on the minors and minor on the majors. You got the priorities mixed up. Martha, we need you. Martha, we need the workers. Martha, we need somebody to help work around the church. Martha, we need somebody to teach a Bible study. But when it comes down to it, the most important thing is I've got to get into his presence. I've got to sit at his feet. And I've got to say, talk to me. Download on me, Jesus. I've got to hear your word. Jesus did not necessarily rebuke Martha, but more so tried to point her in the right direction of how to prioritize. I'm preaching tonight about choosing among competing priorities. Choosing among competing priorities. Amen. He tried to point her in the right direction. Uh, What you need to uh, consider the most important thing, Martha. It's still being at my feet. It's still finding a place to pray. It's still finding a time to break open the bread of life and consume the word of God. And say, God, i got a lot of things to do, but I've got to make sure that I make time for my Bible. And I make sure to have my time to, to read and to pray and to seek God and to get along with you. It's not the serving that's bad, but it's being cumbered about with the serving. It's being weighed down and, and, and prioritizing serving uh, over worshiping God, over hearing the word of God. One thing is needful, the Lord says. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Is there areas in your life tonight you're worrying about, you're struggling with? You think, I don't know how I'm going to overcome. I don't know how I'm going to see God uh, give me this promise. I don't know how this is going to happen. I believe that falls under all things, all these things. If you will first say, okay, God, uh, everything's not going exactly the way that I want it to go. So I'm going to go back to square number one. And I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to seek God in his 
righteousness. I'm going to try to be holy. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to walk up gladly before Him. And I'm going to trust Him that all of the other things in my world is going to be taken care of. They're going to be handled by the Master. Mary hath chosen the good part. Or we said earlier, the better part in another translation. The good part is a place, a nourishment. It's a choice. The good part will always be the place at Jesus' feet. The good part will always be the place at the altar saying, God, teach me something more. God, influence my life. God, impact me. God, change me. Amen. It's great that we need people to work in a church. We need more workers. The one thing I realize, amen, in pastoring is that scripture that says, pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors because a harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. We need more labors. We need more workers. But in the midst of praying for more workers, we've got to make sure that we recognize the right place. The good part is a place before his feet. It's a place of nourishment. It's a choice you and I have got to make. It's a choice. She has chosen. She has chosen. Mary has chosen. And even in this place tonight, you and I have got to make choices. You can choose one. You can choose to be doing something that is necessarily in and of itself good, but not the best thing that God has to be. And I believe that comes with, with maturity, with following the lead of, of, a, of a pastor, myself, uh, uh, following the voice of God in your life. Amen. You can say, well, I'm going to do this, uh, but that's not exactly what God wants you to do. Well, that's what I want to do. That's, that's, what, that's what's convenient. That's what's good for me. But that's not the best thing. Martha, you've got to realize the best thing is, is being at his feet. It's not running all over town. It's not running all over the house. It's not working 24 hours a day. The best thing you can do, Martha, is find a place to pray. The best thing you can do, Martha, is get to his feet. Get in front of Jesus. Get out, uh, get out away from the television. Get out away from, from the, the telephone and all of these, the cell phone, all the things that distract you. And say, so I'm going to push all that aside. And I'm going to get in this, at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to get before his face. She has chosen. Mary has chosen. The way of deliverance from the Martha carefulness and trouble. You've got to choose your portion. And I believe it's the only way this church is going to move into revival. An unprecedented, unprecedented revival that God has for this church. Is if you and I begin to make choices. I'm not going to settle for, for just ordinary. I, I'm going to have a little bit more of him. I'm not going to settle for just showing up to church or or showing up late or just showing up any old way. I'm not going to settle for just uh, uh, just getting a little bit to the offering plate. I'm going to go above and beyond. 
I'm going to give him my very best. I'm going to give him all that I have. I'm going to make a choice to choose the better part. To choose the part that says, come early for prayer. Come early for pre-service prayer. Have within you as the center of your life a fixed, supreme determination that no matter what happens, no matter what the competing priorities in life, he's going to be number one. He's going to be number one. He's going to be number one in my life. And this supreme determination is for is a force. This supreme determination to make a choice, amen, to, to, to put him first, amen, it keeps a heart united, not split up in a thousand different directions amongst the competitions of the many things in life, amen, but when you say, God, you're first, God, you're foremost, God, I love more being at your feet than I love being anywhere else, and so I'm going to make it a point to get to the altar. And in the midst of, of getting your getting your carcass to an altar and laying it on an altar and saying, God, it's yours. In the midst of doing that, God is helping to give you a unified focus, a unified purpose, a unified mind of the church. Amen. That God can have his great work when we put it first. When we put it first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew, Mark, and John, the other gospel writers, seem to imply that this Mary of Bethany that we read about, that sat at Jesus' feet, they seem to imply that this Mary of Bethany was the same woman who poured the alabaster box upon the Lord. The alabaster box that was filled with spikenard was equivalent to a year's worth of wages. 2013, the example I found, it was around $50,000 worth in the current currency. If you take inflation, probably somewhere around $65,000, a year's worth of salary. A very high-value ointment, a very high-valued item, amen, a very high-valued item. And one of the things that this story teaches us is that Mary understood what was really important. Because everybody else, amen, around Mary and Bethany, they begin to they begin to mock her and criticize her, and they begin to find fault with her. Why are you doing these things, Mary? In the first situation, the book of Luke, amen, it was Martha that was saying, Why is Mary, my sister, not working hard? And why is she here at your feet? In, in Matthew and Mark and John, it was Judas Iscariot that looked at, at, at Mary's life and said, Why, Lord, is she dumping an alabaster box upon you? We could have sold that and given it to the poor. Everybody's quick to criticize, amen, but when you're doing the right thing, amen, when, you're, when you've got your face, amen, on, on the altar, and you've got your heart in the right place, and you're seeking Him first, amen, the only thing that really matters is what does He think, amen, what does He think of me, what does God think? The ointment that she used was intended for her own burial. But instead, she used it for Jesus. She also probably spent her life savings for it. One writer said, this act showed her trust and her devotion and the love that she had for Jesus. Amen. And I think it would be difficult for some people to do that today. 
to lay it on the line. Because we look at things in life and say, man, I can't do that. That's asking a lot. Really? You want me to be here? Service, pre-service prayer. You want me to give and, and all these things. You want me to live this way and that way. I think it's so valuable. My 10% is so big. My, my four hours a week is so important to me. Not realizing the true value that it has when it's given to Jesus. In the world we live in today, the value or the cost of something so many times overshadows and distorts the meaning of something. We, we look at the value of being in church and the world looks at it and says, you know, that, that's not that. Why, why are you wasting your time doing that? You're, you lift up your voice and I don't see anybody in there. You're getting crazy. You're sweating. You're, you're, you're wrinkling your clothes and you're, you're spending time in church and everybody else is out having a great time. Why are you spending your time such? Why, Mary, did you, would you, did you pour the alabaster box upon Jesus' head? Why, Mary, were you, were you so, uh, uh, so determined, so insistent on, on just staying at his feet and listening to him? We got other things to do, Mary. There's, there's other things you could have done with their money. You could have given that alabaster box to somebody else and benefited a lot of people. You could have done a lot of things with your time, Mary. But, Mary, you chose the better part. And I'm going to tell this church tonight, every time you make up in your mind, I'm coming to church. I'm spending time in prayer at home. I'm living for God. I'm going to be holy. It's not a waste of time. It's not a waste of talent. It's not a waste of your treasure. And in fact, it's the best way you can spend your time, your talent, and your treasure. Spending it on Jesus. The best Three thousand dollars I ever gave was the three thousand dollars I gave to the church years and years ago. It God's multiplied it many times over. At the time God asked me to give it, it was a lot of money, and I cried. I said, God, why? Do you want my house savings for three months? Why not? If you put it in my hands, I'll multiply that. If you put it in my hands, I'll multiply it. The best thing we can do with our time, our talent, and our treasure is give it to him. Mary of Bethany recognized that we will not always have Jesus with us. She recognized he's not always going to be here. God in the flesh among us. But while he's here with us, I'm going to soak up his word. I believe Mary determined in her heart while he's here, I'm going to worship him with everything I've got. While I feel the Holy Ghost come into this place on a Wednesday night, I'm just going to soak it up. Jesus, fill me up. God, let your word get in my soul. 
Because God, I know that eventually I've got to leave this place tonight. I've got to go home and I've got to go to bed and get ready for work tomorrow. I've got to do a lot of things. But God, while I'm here, and God, while you're here, God, just speak to me. Just move in my life. God, I, I just want something from God. I want something from Him. While He's here, Mary said, I'm going to worship Him. While He's here, He's going to have my undivided attention. He's going to have everything that I have. I'm going to take... a. Uh, I'm going to take of the house, Martha, but first I've got to get a word uh, from the master. I'm going to take care of the house, Martha, but first, Martha, I've got to get in his presence. First, get in his presence. We can't say enough of the importance of getting up early before we start our days of praying. Getting up early before we start our day and finding a few minutes to pray. Makes a world of difference. Brother Walmer shared that testimony some time ago about that man that was in his church in Brazil that was bowing, dealing with evil, demonic spirits at work, <clears throat> didn't know what to do. And Brother Walmer said, start your day 10, 15 minutes every morning with prayer and the word. And it made a world of difference because you begin to put it first. Mary begins to say, okay, I'm going to take care of the house, Martha. I'm going to take care of all these things that are encumbering but first him, first Jesus, first Jesus. First Martha, I've got to worship him. The inference that Jesus was drawing, that many good things, however many they may be, do not constitute the good thing that Jesus was talking about. Health, home comforts, worldly position, literary delights, art, these are good in their measure. But they will not together make up our human requirements. All of the worldly pursuits and the home uh, comforts and, and, and the beautiful, nice things we want to have in life and the health, all of those things, they are not the bread of life. And they are not the water of life. They do not satisfy and they will not last. Sooner or later, they will break down and leave us where we started, portionless and hopeless. Matthew, Mark, and John tell of a very similar story of this account. And in the account, they tell of the example where Simon the leper, who some commentators said was the husband of Martha in this passage of Scripture, and the other Gospels give an account of uh, it was following the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And everybody uh, was gathering together in that city to celebrate with Lazarus and to, to make sure that it was really true. And they wanted to see Lazarus. And so they heard that Lazarus and Jesus was in this house where Martha and Mary were. And the Bible says in Matthew and Mark and John that everybody in the city gathered to that house. And they wanted to see, is Lazarus really alive? Is Jesus here? The Bible says that there were even people in that, in that specific story that uh, it was a, the religious 
sect of that day, the Pharisees or Sadducees, they came and they wanted to kill Lazarus because Lazarus was telling everybody about Jesus and the, and the city was being turned upside down. Lazarus was being a testimony. And so everybody was descending upon that house. So if you could imagine for a few moments, it wasn't just Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus in that house. But I believe that there was a lot of people in that house. That house was packed out. And I've been to many occasions in people's homes, my home, where there's a lot of people. And when there's a lot of people in the house, it gets stressful for the host. Everybody else having a great time, but the host is what's going on? Who's doing this? Who's, where's this at? What's going on here? It's not a bad thing. That host wants to make sure everything's taken care of. And if you can imagine, amen, even in a, in a room like this, amen, the city gathering together, filling in, and here's Jesus and Lazarus sitting, talking, and they're sharing the testimony of what happened, and people are listening, and Martha's running around, and she's trying to make sure that things go as planned, and they stay on cue, and they continue to, to flow smoothly. And there's, Mar- there's Mary. Say, wow. Tell it again, Jesus. Lazarus, what did it feel like? Wow. Say that last line again, Jesus. Man, I'm going to write that down. And she was, she was there. She was worshiping Jesus. She was listening to him. All these things are going on. And Martha running around, doing a good thing, but not realizing there's a time to just sit and listen. There's a time to worship him. There's a time to come before his feet. So how do you choose among competing priorities? And with this, I'm closing. If you could stand to your feet. How do you choose among competing priorities? There's several questions you can ask yourself. Is my action going to bring me closer to God? Yes or no? In Mary's case, it brought her closer to God. Is my action in line with my pastor's vision or my personal preference? Is my action going to bring glory to God or pleasure and satisfaction for myself? Understanding that your home church, Abundant Life Center, takes precedence over every other church function that's around here. That's, that's something important to realize. That's how you make decisions among competing priorities. We, we, make, we make certain. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. And God has called us here to see a revival in this church. God has called us here to see a great revival in Abundant Life Center. And it's going to happen. But along the way, you're going to be tempted. You're going to face similar temptation as Martha. You can do something that's not bad in and of itself, Martha. But you've got to make sure you're choosing the better part. You're choosing the good part. And not only that, Martha, but you've got to understand the element of time in all of, these, in all of this. The element of time, Ephesians 5 and 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We've got to spend our time doing the most productive things. 
We don't need to be people that squander away hours and time and minutes and, and just waste away our lives. Amen. We need to be people that, that maximize time, that maximize our potential. We don't want to be people that just squander away life and potential and five, ten years goes by and what did you do for God and that promise that God gave you and that vision that God gave you didn't amount to anything yet. Amen. Don't underestimate the importance and the element of time. Mary was redeeming the time. Mary was the one I proposed to that was really getting ahead. She was getting a revelation from God. She was making sure that 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 miracle stays with me. That word from God, it stays in my heart. I don't want to allow anything to get in the way of me and Jesus. I don't want anything to get in the way or to cause a wedge between myself and my pastor. One thing is needful, and I leave you with this. Do not let your attention be taken away by other things that have less value than what we're doing here right now. The most important thing we can do in this place is get in perfect alignment, is understand the the element of time. And while I'm on this earth, and while I've got breath in my body, I'm going to give him everything. And while he's here, he's he's going to get all of my worship. He's going to have all of my heart. I'm not going to show up to church divided, having a divided heart, having a divided mind. I'd rather be somewhere else. God wants you to say, I want to be here. I want, God, I want to be here and I want to see this thing succeed, whatever I've got to do. It's easy to look around and say, well, why isn't Mary doing this? Why isn't Mary helping out? Why isn't this person helping out? Just get it for yourself. Get in God's presence. Mary can help to influence the Marthas that haven't really gotten a hold of that revelation. That's how we choose among competing priorities is we make sure that he stays the most important thing. In in everything that we do, he's number one. Why don't we lift our hands and why don't we just talk to the Lord and thank him for his word here tonight. Jesus, we love you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I pray, God, for the Holy Ghost to have its way in this place tonight. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, our spirits tonight, God. Help us, God, to get into perfect, proper alignment. Lord, perfect alignment. We don't just want the, the good and acceptable, but we want the perfect will God. God, we want the better part that you've got in store for us. We've got to make sure that we're prioritizing. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here all the way. I'm going to give all that I have. God, you're going to get the first fruits of my life. Not just the first fruits, the first fruits of my finances, but the first fruits of my energies, the first fruits of my time, the first fruits of my talents, God. I'm going to give it to you first. Jesus, Jesus, we put you first. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In order for this city to have its revival and this church to be the vehicle for that revival, we have got to make sure that we choose like Mary chose. Get to the master's feet. Get back to the master's feet. Mary, get back to his feet. Don't, don't, don't be distracted, Mary, by all these things that Martha's concerned about. We'll take care of those. We're going to get to those. But right now, Mary, just get in his feet and love him. And if us as a church, as a choral, say, God, you're still the most important thing. I'm not going to worry about uh, a Mary around there or a Martha. I'm just going to say, God, I want to get a hold of you. Because if God can get a hold of our hearts, he can change our attitude, our outlook, our perspective, and our circumstances along with it. If we'll get before his feet. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Turn around and shake someone's hand. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Sure.